Hello and welcome. We are Restoration Church in beautiful Prescott, Arizona. Thank you for joining us. My name is Nate Huss and I am stoked you are tuning in to our teaching of the week. If you are new, so glad you found us. If you haven't already and would like to learn a little bit more about us, jump over to restorationaz.org. All right, let's grab our Bibles and dive into this week's teaching. Well, I'm Landon, if you're uh, new with us, I'm the bad guy today. And I was just looking out and I was counting. And I think before this church started, just over, I don't know, six and a half years ago, whatever, I knew eight of the people that were sitting or are present in this room. And the reason I share that is because we will frequently say, you're going to frequently hear if you're around here, you're going to hear the words that the church is a people who and not a place where. And the reason that that matters so much is because while what happens in this room on a Sunday morning is good and meaningful and matters, it doesn't matter most. What we as the church do in the everyday stuff of life as we trust Jesus, as Jen and Dave and the whole crew are teaching our juniors to do that's where there's significance. And then we gather here on Sundays. And so the reason I share that I knew eight people is because I didn't know Jen and Dave. I remember meeting Jen, I think, three years ago. Is that right? In the parking lot because it was COVID and we were having church outside. And I just met Jen and she was talking a lot about all kinds of things. I probably didn't even know what exactly she was talking about, except here's where we are. There's this beautiful thing Jesus does. We get to meet people. We get to invest in each other's stories. We get to walk through the broken and the beautiful together, learning what it means to put into practice the ways of Jesus. And it's good. I couldn't be more deeply thankful that that Jen is standing here with me and serving our kids. My daughter will be entering fourth grade in this upcoming school year. So today she'll switch to juniors. And uh, I'm just so grateful for your guys' family. Um... So in this process, Jen and I have been talking this week. I was studying John chapter 8, which the sermon may or may not be on uh, this morning. And as I studied that, I realized that I I wanted Romans chapter 8 to be the conclusion of my teaching today on John chapter 8. That's very confusing, I know. But it kind of ties together. It summarizes what we see and and what it looks like to actually be loved by Jesus and to love like Jesus from John chapter 8. And so I then went and read Romans 8. And as I read it, I'm like, you know what? I have heard Jen Peterson preach like 18 mini sermons on Romans chapter 8 in the hallways, in my house, I think, certainly in the parking lot multiple times, on phone calls. She just lives, eats, and and breathes this Romans 8 thing. So I semi-jokingly, but not really, text her and I said, hey, do you have a five-minute sermon on Romans 8? Because I knew she'd be up here, so I thought this was a good idea. And like instantly... She responded with this. Can you bring up those slides? Oh, do the other ones with the, yeah. She, like, like minutes later, she had all these notes on Romans 8. So I was like, oh, this is perfect. And she's like, are you going to be preaching on that soon? And I instantly said, no, you are. <laughs> Can we go back to the other text? To which... I said, you are on Sunday, and she said, oh, no, you don't, with those lots of emojis, and here we are. So sometimes, maybe oftentimes, we come into this building or any other building we might refer to as a church. We walk in, we do the spiritual things, or maybe we go into somebody's home or a class, and we we sit in a circle and we talk about Jesus. 
But what I'm so excited about what the Spirit is doing in this church is that he's building bridges into what it looks like to trust him in the everyday moments of life. And Romans 8 describes that. And Jen and her family live it out better than almost anybody I know. You, you were talking about praying this week and how you're praying differently for your kids and family. I started doing that. It's amazing. It's life-changing. I'm learning things from Jen all the time. So I asked her to share on Romans 8. This might be the whole teaching. I might come back up oh, no. and do John 8. We'll see. Uh, but see Jen is a gift, this? and yeah. we'll go from here. Well, Thank we, you. Well, we love you, Landon. Um, it's, it's crazy because um, this week I'm saying goodbye to a friend who I've walked really closely with for a year and a half. She's in hospice, and I know some of you know Tess Jones, and she's, um, she's really close to going to heaven. And um, so I'm bawling my eyes out that day um, as I actually couldn't go see her that day, which I've seen her every single week. And <clears throat> my son is flying to Zambia today, and as I'll share in my testimony um, people like me and my flesh don't let their children go to Zambia. So he's flying to Zambia tonight at 7 o'clock, if you guys want to pray for Micah. Um, there was just a lot going on in my life a couple days, a few days ago, and then Landon and I did the text. And, <clears throat> you know, it was like, God, I was out watering my garden, and I'm like, God, why? Why do you push me out of my zone all that time? And he just laid on my heart, Jen, you're fine. You're ready. I go, I can't do this. I can't share a testimony on a microphone in front of restoration. Put me back with juniors all day long. Or at Foxworth with Butch. <laughs> or like Landon said, give me a parking lot. But right here. And the Lord said, but I have stuff to say. And I wrestle with God. And he said, just share. So here we go. Would you guys turn in your Bibles to Romans 8 real quick? Or on your phones. And I'm just going to read verses 1 through 17. That's Romans 8. And then I'm going to share with you who I was and then who God changed me into be, who, who I am today. Therefore, verse 1, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus... The law of the spirit who gives life has set you free, free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but now according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit give, gives life 
because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body and put the, to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Verse 12, therefore, oh, sorry, I'm just repeating myself. Verse 14, for those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ if indeed we share in his suffering in order that we may also share in his glory. So I got to flip to my notes. Is that powerful? When I was a little girl, um, I have a twin sister here who actually doesn't go to church here, but she's here. So Christy, this is my womb mate. <laughs> we were in the womb together. And anyway, thanks for coming, Chris. Um, when we were little girls, we asked Jesus into our heart every single night. I even remember the little prayer. And then when we were in fifth grade, we asked Jesus into our heart because we were very worried about hell. <laughs> so my dad and mom helped us, and we wrote it in our little Bible, in our little fifth grade handwriting. And then I started to live out of that first part of the good news, and that is Jesus died for me. He now made me a new creation I'm going to heaven. And I started the next two decades of my life camped out in the first part of the good news. And gosh, I did a lot of good things in that and in, in without amount of knowledge. I like led youth groups and mops and had kids, got married first, had kids, lots of stuff. But I was miserable. I was saved and miserable. I was so miserable. I was um, probably a certified phobic. I don't know if you guys know what a phobic is. We're so worried there's some, something that's going to get us or kill us or smash us. Or, or maybe I'm even doing weird behaviors and counting and clicking and breathing and dissecting faces and in my head, of course. And no one even knew. I was a master of disguise. And I was so broken inside. And my master was fear. And I loved Jesus, but it was kind of like this. I love you. Thank you for saving me, but stay away from me. You can leave and live inside of me, but I'm just going to seal my heart shut with a vault. And that's how I lived. And in my 20s, I had to really wrestle with me. And poor Dave, he married me. I was 21 in this condition. He married me and didn't even realize how deep it went for me. And he just walked with me through it. And I asked my aunt, my Aunt Susan, would you disciple me? There's just something I'm missing. There's something big I'm missing. And she led me to Romans chapter 8. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. I was so happy about that. I went to GCU and told all my friends. I started a Bible study. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Within three weeks of that Bible study, I was kicked out. <laughs> 
Then I was really excited. Dave and I started a young marriage class. We, there is no, no condemnation for those who are in Christ. We got kicked out of that one too, didn't we? That Sunday school class? Well, at least our parents did, or I don't know. It's just like train wreck after train wreck. Because I only knew the first half of the gospel that I was no longer condemned. But in my soul, I was still walking like a little hunched back, broken girl. I thought, I have to earn God's love. I have to be a good Christian. And I'm saved and miserable. And at 25, I came to grips with some things, but then there was this one stormy, steamy night when I was 31 years old. And Annie, raise your hand. She, this is the person who helps me figure out when this happened to me. She was a baby facing backwards in the back seat, and I had just been in a Bible study, and I was completely undone. Finally, sick and tired of the first half of the gospel. I realized that night I am alive in Christ. That at the point of salvation, that the Holy Spirit moved into me to flow out of me. And that bad things can still happen in life, but that he is for me to give me the grace in those moments, when those moments happen in the future, but I don't even have to think about it. And it was absolutely the most crazy night. It was, it, I was in downtown Prescott, it was raining, dark, Annie's a baby. I'm at my steering wheel. I'm driving by the courthouse. I'm knee driving. I'm knee driving. I raised both hands. I'm sobbing. And I surrendered to God. For the first time, I literally just laid it all out. And I told him, I said, I don't like you. I, don't, I mean, I love you, but I don't like you. I don't trust you. But I need you to change my mind about you. Because I'm so broken. And guess what? He did that night. 31 years old. Now I'm 47. 31 years old. He came in like a tidal wave. And he made me new in a new way. He opened my eyes to the life of the Spirit living in me and through me. He will be the feet that I walk. He will be my hands. He will be my eyes. He will be my thoughts. I have the mind of Christ. Now when I wake up and I open my eyes, I, I go, Jesus, you are welcome here. Father, Son, and Spirit, come and do everything in and for me and through me. Then I put my feet down on the floor, and sometimes I even act like I'm putting him on because it says we're clothed in Christ. And then we go on adventures. And I end up in juniors. And I end up talking to all the Walmart greeters are believers. I just want you all to know. He, he is that radical that he will have you do crazy, humble, minuscule little things all day long. You'll wrap your arms around someone. You'll walk across the hall and love your enemy. He will recreate a marriage. He will restore a relationship. So if you are like me with a steely heart, Saved and miserable, not knowing the life of the Spirit. Camp out in Romans 8 for a while. Um, let me just see if, um, oh, this is so crazy. When, when I was kind of mad at Landon, not really Landon. When I was kind of mad at Landon a little bit, wrestling with God, I was really mad at God. It was like, how do I put into words something, or how do I put into words someone who has radically changed me and made me new? And the Lord stopped me in my tracks each day this week that I tried to write notes. 
and he just said, camp out on this. I was lost, and now I'm found. I was blind, and now I see. Amazing grace, how can it be that thou, my God, would die for me? And I received Christ as a little girl, but I really understood him, and my eyes understood the spirit life at 31. And when you ask God to change your mind about him on a certain area, give him time, but he will come and do it. I can, that's another sermon opener, Landon, but the, the ways that he showed up for me in the next year, two years, three years, and then still to show me his life is irresistible. He is clothed in me, in my temperament and in my, in the gifts he's given me and in my talents. It's him as me in a sense. And it's amazing. It's the abundant life. Um, there's a couple of verses that I wanted to share with you guys. Um, sorry, I didn't even look at my notes. I had a prayer that I just wanted to read to you guys. Lord, I'm desperate for you. I can't do this Christian life anymore. I don't even like or trust you. Are any of you bold enough to tell God how you really feel? He's big enough to hear it. Would you come and have your way in me? You say you live in me to live through me but I was sealed up. I was tied as a bank vault against God in fear of surrendering to him. That night in the car and many nights after, I've asked my father, would you supernaturally come and change me so that I can live this life in you, calling you Abba, trusting you with not just my salvation, but with my actual life. He showed up as I surrendered to him moment by moment. He gave me revelations about himself. Um, actually, I could just keep going on and on, Landon, but I think you have something important to share, too. So um, if any of you want to talk to me because you feel like maybe you're wearing a mask and acting like a happy Christian, too, um, I'm super um, approachable, and there's nothing that's going on in your life that shocks me. Michelle Golickson, there's no tears right now. I can't look at you now. If there's anything that you need to... Get real about. This is a great church for being real. Like, what does it say right there? Broken stories becoming beautiful. Clay vessels that are broken, so water, the living water pours through cracks. He loves cracks, broken and beautiful. So, thanks, Landon, for the opportunity to share my story. You. I think stories and testimonies are powerful. Jen has a way with words and an authenticity that I think looks like Jesus and can inspire us to follow him. My plan was for Jen to, to share for like five minutes. And like I said, I had a whole sermon on John chapter 8. That will be a sermon we'll do in two weeks. And we'll, uh, we'll talk about Romans 8 then. Uh, which maybe is God's providence because I had new thoughts on it this morning as I was praying and working through things. This has never happened. I've never written a sermon throughout the week and then not given it. So my hope is, my prayer is that, and my expectation, I should say, God knows exactly what he's doing. And there are 
there is someone or there are multiple people in this room that needed to hear exactly that. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read Romans 8 one more time. Let the, the scripture, God's word, actually settle in. Then we're going to share it a time of, of response. Read this. Therefore, no condemnation now exists for those in Christ Jesus, because the Spirit's law of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. What the law could not do since it was limited by the flesh, God did. He condemned sin in the flesh by sending his own son in flesh like ours under sin's dominion and as a sin offering in order that the law's requirements would be accomplished in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh, think about the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit about the things of the spirit. For the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset of the spirit is life and peace. For the mindset of the flesh is hostile to God because it does not submit itself to God's law, for it is unable to do so. Let me just pause there really quick. This is what what Jen was saying. Something I realized long after I gave my life to Christ, too. So often we like this idea of giving our life to Jesus to receive salvation, or because it seems like this good moral thing to do, and that's okay. But we forget the second half that she referred to. So we go, hey, Jesus, I need you. And then he like comes into our heart or whatever. And then we go, all right, I got it from here. There's this quote, I want to say maybe it's Tim Chester. I I can't remember, but he says, you would never walk up to Jesus as he is hanging on the cross for your sin and excruciating pain, experiencing separation from the father in that moment and go, hey, Jesus, thank you so much for what you've done for me. It's just not quite enough. So I'll take it from here. But so often, and the way we live, because we're self-reliant and the American dream says, pick yourself up, work hard enough, go do it. Because there's a lot of teaching that says it's about what you do or what you don't do. Do the good, avoid the bad. We get so lost and confused. And so we accept Jesus and then we try to do better and do more instead of every single day, giving up and surrendering and say, Father, Son, Spirit, lead my words. Father, Son, Spirit, lead my ears. Father, Son, Spirit, lead my heart so that in the neighborhood I live in and the vocation I walk into, the relationships I interact with, the questions I have, the sin that needs dealt with, it is you leading, not me. And there's active participation in that. It's not easy, but it's an everyday thing. It has nothing to do with salvation. You are saved. But our life isn't just about the death of Jesus where our sin was forgiven, but about the resurrection of Jesus where new life is found. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, since the spirit of God lives in you. But if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Now, if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his spirit who lives in you. So then... We are not obligated to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you are going to die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. 
All those led by God's Spirit are God's sons. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. And if children also heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, seeing that we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. The good news of the gospel is Jesus. The good news of the gospel is that it's not about you, but you are loved. You are empowered by his spirit. And so may we be a people, may we be a church that don't settle for the norm, don't settle for religion, don't settle for spirituality, don't settle for morality. We don't settle for anything less than trusting in the name of Jesus alone. We're going to continue to, to worship in response. The elements for communion are on my, my right over here and my left, as well as in the right and left in the back of the room. When we take communion, we're not just remembering Jesus' death and his resurrection. We're recognizing that the spirit has been placed within us as we consume the elements symbolizing the body and blood of Jesus. We're recognizing the actualization of the Spirit's life within our life tied together so that where we go, He goes with us always. I want to invite you in this time too. Kelly's going to move forward to the, the prayer table. If you need prayer, Kelly would love to, to pray with you. If you have questions, there's something for you to process. If you want to commit to following this Jesus so you don't have to be dependent on self, we invite you to do that. If you need to pray with somebody next to you, we invite you to do that. If you need to confess sin on your own or to somebody, we invite you to do that. Let Jesus reign as king. And we're going to spend a little bit of time now in response, taking communion, surrendering to him, worshiping and inviting the spirit to lead. Let me pray and let's take the elements. Jesus. and I ask for you to invade the hearts of us today. I know that my own heart and mind is not trustworthy and I know that there's no heart and mind in this room that's trustworthy on our own and so we just surrender trust of ourselves and instead we choose to trust you. And I ask that you help us to choose to trust you. I ask that you help us to want to choose to trust you that you lead in every way, that you be glorified, that you allow us to know you more. Work and move in the spectacular ways that only you can. We look to you now. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for tuning in to our teaching of the week. We are so grateful to partner with you in sharing the love of Jesus in a world that really deeply longs for it. And whether you're new here, seeking more information, looking for a church community, or considering financial partnership, go ahead and visit restorationaz.org for more details. Okay, let's continue making a difference together. So how do we do that? By remembering Jesus is the only one who is trustworthy always, no matter the moment. So press on as we continue to practice the way of Jesus.